Hello and thank you so much for tuning into the Education Burrito, podcast that unwraps the everyday challenges in learning and teaching in education, exploring the ins and outs and highs and lows and different pedagogy approaches, enhancing student engagement amongst everything in education. My name is Q Sum, and each episode I'll be joined by special guests as we unwrap the Education Burrito. Hello and welcome to this episode as part of a special podcast series to support the annual learning and teaching symposium organised by the Centre for Education, Teaching and Innovation at the University of Westminster. In this special summer 2022 series, I'll be chatting with some of the speakers who will be giving us a flavour of their presentations and for you to have the opportunity to join in the conversations to find out more. So, for this episode, I'm so pleased to be joined by Garming Pang, an academic engagement librarian for the School of Computer Science and Engineering at the University of Westminster. Garming, welcome to the podcast. Hi. <laughs> Well, it's so great to have you here on the show with me today. For those who don't know who you are, could you just give us a brief summary of what you do at Westminster? So, as you mentioned, I am the Academic Engagement Librarian. And in this role, what I do is I support teachers in the school. I can support with like curriculum design and with um, the reading list and getting the resources for the reading list. And also as part of my role, I provide information skills interventions for students and those could be like generic sessions and also embedded sessions helping students to find their resources, the research that they need for their assignment. And then in another part of my role, because I actually have a bit of a dual role, is that um, the library and archive services are really looking to develop some of the services that they have for researchers. And so I act as a bit of a bridge between the library and archive services and the research environment and scholarly comms team. I kind of work quite closely with them. And I've been finding out a lot about what they do. And my role is sort of like to sort of bridge the gap and then see how we can uh, support researchers better, especially doctoral researchers and early careers researchers as well. Oh, that's fantastic. Yes, your role sounds really interesting to me, Well, because mm. I'm a well, I'm a kind of a doctoral researcher at the university. And if I knew there was a person like you at the start of my PhD, that would be so <laughs> helpful. But oh well, it's never too late, I guess. <laughs> but it's so nice to have you today and, and speak with you and just to get to know what you do at Westminster. Yeah, I have to say that support for researchers and for graduate school has always been there. I think it's just about surfacing it maybe a little bit better. I think sometimes a lot of things is like the things are in place it's just knowing about it and how do you find out about it and making things kind of a bit more signposted and clearer that's really good and i think for those listening to this podcast maybe just a plug for you to go ahead and find your academic engagement librarian and connect with them because they're there to help <laughs> <Yeah>. you <laughs> indeed that's what we're here well we're here to support the researchers and the students of yeah. course so today i want to chat with you about your upcoming presentation that you're going to present with your colleague at Westminster's Learning and Teaching Symposium. And from my understanding, you're going to be sharing something along the lines of bringing open research into learning and teaching. Could you just give us an overall summary of what this is about? Mm, yeah, so this ties in a little bit in the role that I talked about, kind of bridging kind of research and the teaching side. And um, one of the things I pitched to um, my co-presenter, um, Holly Ranger, who's the research data management officer, was that felt like sometimes research feels a little bit here, one side, and the teaching 
can be a little bit there. And I wanted to have like an expa- space where people could potentially explore, well, how research isn't just about kind of creating something and then depositing it and then maybe forgetting about it, but about when you're a teacher, perhaps you should think about how you can take all the research that is now openly available and using it in in the teaching. So it's literally about kind of like how how can you kind of take some of all the amazing research that's out there openly available and uh, use it in in the learning and teaching. So I think it's a bit about kind of raising awareness of what open research actually means, um, because I think some people might not necessarily have thought about it open research in that broader sense so people may have heard of open access but maybe not open research so this is this term is kind of becoming a bit more prominent it may also be known as open science as well to some people and then also I wanted to kind of like talk a little bit about how it links to the university the Westminster University's like strategy because our VC has talked a lot about UN sustainable development goals and open research is absolutely an integral part of like sustainable development, especially in a few particular areas. Well, there's like 17 goals, but there's definitely a few that it plugs into. So I wanted it to be a bit of space to kind of, for people to kind of think about all those connections, think about like how important it is and think about how they could be using it um, in their teaching as well. That's a good point. And you've raised a few interesting aspects from the difference between open research with open science or open access. What is the difference if I may ask? So I think when people first started talking about open access it was about well how do I get my paper out into the public and a lot of this is sort of necessitated by funder requirements. There's now a lot of research funders that require your kind of piece of research to be made openly available to the public before they'll give you money to, to, to do your research. So I think the start of it was about how do we just kind of have a space to put it and then get it out there. Open research is a bit more broader than that. It looks at kind of all the different aspects. So it's not just about your final paper. It's also about the making your data open. So it's about reproducibility. Can someone take the data that comes with your research and look at it and do something else with it? Kind of things that uh, people are looking at is like open research methods. So are you kind of like telling people, being transparent about how you did your research? So yeah, so there's basically kind of like more kind of like overarching, covers more aspects. I think one of the ones that is becoming a little bit more prominent is about open infrastructure. So even if you have something that is openly available, where is it stored? How do people find it? And how do you make sure that it's sustainable and that that people like, if you can imagine lots of times research gets put on the website (laughs) and then... It kind of disappears again once, you know, the funding's run out or no no one's kind of like paying for that website anymore. So I think open infrastructure is important to make sure that people have a place where they can put things and that it will kind of guarantee to be there in the future as well, part of the sustainability. So hopefully, hopefully I've talked about it, but actually we have like a probably a a more succinct definition of it on our open research pages. So like you can always look that up. Just search University of Westminster and open research and you'll probably get a better version than what I've given right now. Thank you for sharing that definition and the difference between open research, open science, open access. And then you've also mentioned the open infrastructure. Uh, So that was really nice for me to understand a bit more about and I would be curious to find out more you know for future conversations or attending your sympo- um, your session at the symposium so the other aspect in your title of your presentation is into learning and teaching so I'm curious as to how you're going to merge the openness of research access or science or infrastructure or whatever into the practices 
for colleagues in their learning and teaching? Yes, I think one of the things that when I speak to my colleagues is that every discipline is is different. How they teach can be quite different. What materials they use can be quite different. That there are already a lot of disciplines that actually use kind of like openly available resources as well. If you think about media, media studies, comms, they are likely to be using kind of websites and things that are openly available. I even know within CSC, they, there are some courses that use open software to, to build on for the students to build on. So even when I, even when I say bring it into, I know that there's already a lot of that practice happening in place. But one of the things that I think we kind of look at is just like reading lists and what you ask your students to read. Potentially, it's about, are you just always using the same things or should you be kind of exploring some of the new research that's out there do do they look at what's openly available as as well and obviously it's a bit about do you know where to look as well which is I think where my kind of role comes in and um, that's what I try to show in the presentation like there's actually a wealth of content and here here are the places where you might find it where you could explore And I think it is like from the librarian's perspective, it is about changing our kind of like perspective on it as well, because I know that as librarians, as libraries, we spend a lot of money in getting resources in for students. It's an ever increasing amount because commercial publishers just charge a lot of money. And then I think it's about kind of raising that awareness as well, that just because it's free doesn't mean it's not good, that there is actually a lot of good stuff out there. And it's about knowing where to find them as well and just having that ethos of encouraging people to use open resources more because one of the things that I used to teach is that university students in their final year once you leave university you no longer have access to all the paper content where do you go now and if you've not started exploring those kind of like open resources you might be at a loss so I think the earlier we can kind of bring in the open content that is available for students in their disciplines in their subject areas the more awareness they have it means that perhaps the transitioning out of university might be a lot smoother and it might be easy for them to kind of like navigate uh, the content that they will still have access to. So thank you for that and that's a really good point that you've mentioned is the transition not only between mm. the years within the degree or a course program but it's also the transition after their degree so I know that because when I've completed my undergrad at Westminster I suddenly became an alumni and I suddenly became found that there I did mm. not have all these mm. access to resources yes I do have the alumni card but it, it doesn't get me as much resources or have the access to to the things I want so I I value that and I I think that would be very useful not to just those current students like you mentioned but it's to the alumni how can we ensure that we can have those contacts with them or or rather be stay in contact with those alumni so that they can help the university and vice versa in terms of knowledge exchange or the fact they just want to build on the network and the communities in the profession so that's very interesting and I think students don't really know sometimes I feel yes you've kind of graduated from university but then they don't know that oh that you still have access to this and that Mm, so that would be good a good awareness to bring into practice as well so I want to just finish off this conversation with you and asking you what do you want colleagues who are coming to your session to get out of yeah so I think as I mentioned I just really want them to start thinking about what potential open resources that they could be bringing in into to the teaching. Actually, I should mention earlier, uh, for one part of the session, Holly 
my co-presenter, she'll be kind of looking at kind of teaching assessment things that you could potentially be doing with with data. So like some really practical things and practical that, that could potentially be used by uh, teachers. And then also kind of like hope that everyone will spread the awareness because like, you know, like if you know about this open access research page that we have, then maybe you could be telling your students and your colleagues about it. So kind of like spreading this awareness of what open access resources are out there and also the help that is available to to students and to academics in terms of open access as I mentioned like there is a whole kind of uh, research and um, scholarly communications team like there's um, Holly there's Nina that can really help with that side of things and also I hope that yeah they start exploring resources and also I'm actually hoping that it will be a bit of a networking opportunity as well that it gives me an opportunity to find out who in the university is interested in kind of open resources and potentially creating their open resources as well. We do have um, Doug Specht who created an open textbook for his students and I'm actually curious to see if there's anyone else who's kind of interested in that kind of thing. We do have the University of Westminster Press and I know the person running it is also kind of keen to explore that as well so yeah. That's fantastic. And you've mentioned a few examples um, already in the work that whether you and colleagues are working with and collaborating with um, the academic staff, you know, to create resources. And hopefully you'll be able to build up a bank more open access resources. So that's brilliant. It's so good to hear. Well, I'm afraid that's all we have time for for today's episode. Gaming, if people want to contact you to have more conversations, how can they do so? Yeah, so my email address is... uh pang1 at westminster.ac.uk so p-a-n-g-1 at westminster.ac.uk <laughs> feel free to drop me <laughs> well i just want to say a big thank you to you gaming pang for joining us today and sharing your work on bringing open research into learning and teaching for you listeners out there do come back next time as i have a conversation with another speaker from this year's learning and teaching symposium gaming thank you so much thank you for having me <laughs> Thank you so much for your time and tuning into the Education Burrito. Make sure to hit the subscribe button on whichever platform you're listening on and be sure to like it and share it on social media, tagging us at the hashtag the Education Burrito. If you have enjoyed our chat today and fancy coming onto the show, no matter as a student or member of staff, do drop us a message as we unwrap learning and teaching in the Education Burrito.